Hey everyone, I am Farah Kimji and you are listening to the Futura Talks podcast. I believe the future will be built by those who see opportunity where others see uncertainty. It will be built by people that don't look like the traditional leaders of our past, but by women and individuals from diverse backgrounds that see the world differently and who are driven to make it better for all. This podcast will feature these people, self-made leaders and entrepreneurs that defy odds and are motivated to build a better future. We will also share practical advice for how you can unlock your full potential as the leader of your own Futura. Now, let's jump into today's episode. everyone. Today's episode features Lori Suba, the president and broker of Scout Real Estate. After more than 15 years of the corporate grind working as a broker in the commercial real estate industry, Lori decided to launch her own boutique brokerage firm. I met Lori a few years ago and was blown away by her story. Having worked in the commercial real estate industry myself, where it is often cutthroat, highly competitive, and male-dominated, It is not an environment that is easy to succeed in, let alone thrive. But for Lori, that is exactly what motivated her to start Scout, and it is what inspires me most about Lori and her story. I know you will be inspired too, so I'm excited to jump into our conversation today. Lori, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Farah. I'm so excited to be here. Thank and, you. And congratulations on your podcast. Yeah, so exciting. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you as our first interview guest. So, you know, what I was thinking today, before we start learning about Scout, I just, I'd love to take it back and kind of learn a little bit more about you and learn about you when you were growing up. So sure. tell me, yeah, tell me, Lori, like, what were the aspirations of seven-year-old Lori and, and maybe even teenage Lori. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, yeah. seven year seven-year-old Lori was, uh, always a helper, loved people, uh, confident, uh, and I wanted to be a teacher, to be honest. Okay. This was like my goal and, uh, much to the chagrin, I think of my neighborhood friends, I would, uh, organize, uh, school uh, in the summer on, <laughs> on our summer breaks. And I was, of course, the teacher and would have lesson plans and would organize uh, everybody and all of our activities. And uh, that was definitely me. My mom still uh, laughs. I was the kid that carried band-aids in my pockets for, <laughs> you know, if there was a skinned knee somewhere along the line, uh, I could help. And so that was definitely me as a child. Uh, I don't know if I've really changed that much. I'm still, I still love people and I still love helping. So it's the same, but I always wanted to be a teacher. And in some respects, I think, uh, brokerage is kind of like a teaching profession. I was just going to say that, you know, often what we what we wanted to do when we were seven or, you know, as a teenager Mm -hmm. is generally, you know, leads us to what our unique ability actually is. Right. 
And brokerage in many ways is like you said, teaching, right? Like teaching people about what's the right space for them and, and whatnot. So we'll get, get into that a bit more, but that's, that's great. Funny enough. Like, I know this, this isn't about me today, but I wanted to be a teacher when I was young too. So yes, I did. I did. It was like, you could probably go back and see my journals from back then. And it clearly said that. And, you know, I think, I think we're both doing things that bring out those those skills those today. Yeah for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. So speaking of school, you know, tell me a little bit more about your journey from, you know, high school then, and then all the way to before starting scout real estate. Sure. Well, it was an interesting journey. I'll tell you, I, uh, like I said, I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to be a teacher so much so that I was going to major in education oh. in university. That was going to be my major. My mom comes from an educational background. She was a teacher and a principal. My dad failed. Uh, My dad uh, said, oh my goodness, you will not thrive in that environment. You need to be, (laughs) it's too bureaucratic for you. This is not going to be a thing, but I was focused. I was going to be a teacher and I actually had an accident. I, I fell and I had to have a pretty substantial back surgery uh, when I was 18. And so I had to withdraw for my first semester of wow. the, at the university. And that actually changed the whole trajectory for me. So I suddenly, uh, it was right when the University of Calgary was changing their education program and it was originally gonna be a four-year B.Ed. and they changed it to a master of teaching program just in that semester that I was in. And it's basically, I had to have a degree before I could go on and get my teaching uh, degree. It was a two-year after degree program. And I missed out. I was supposed to be in B.Ed. I dropped my, I had to with my first semester because of my surgery and I I was immobile. I had to, I had to kind of get back Uh up on my feet again. And I had no choice but to major in something different. And so I was like, what am I going to major in now? I, my whole life was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And I, uh, I, I actually was thinking about doing business and I'm going to be honest. It's kind of funny. I would walk through the, the Haskane school. Uh, that's the business school at the university of Calgary. And they seemed really unhappy. <laughs> Everyone was wearing suits and they seemed really unhappy. And I took some business courses and they seemed really unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, there's no way I'm not going to do this. And so I actually, I love sociology. I love psychology. I majored in sociology. Oh, and okay. I, I remember at the time, my one of my profs, when we were graduating, what's the number one job of a sociology grad? It was the same job you were doing during your university. That's what he he told us. (laughs) And I was like, that's not going to be me. So I majored in sociology. I did a little stint working uh, for the municipality out in Vancouver while my husband was going to school in Vancouver, moved back to Calgary. And my dad said, you need to be in sales. You need to be in real estate. And so by chance, I didn't know anybody in commercial real estate, which is like very abnormal. So our industry, normally, you know, somebody usually related to somebody, um, that's your path. I didn't know anybody. I took a chance. I, I applied for a research position with a small boutique firm. I was the only woman that, that was interviewed. I was the only non commer Wow. <laughs> and I remember at the time my boss said like, why should we hire you? Like we're talking to all of these guys. We're talking to all these BCOM 
uh, undergrads. And I said, why not? Why not? I love that. I love that. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not me? And I was really fortunate. I was, I was selected. I was the candidate. I subsequently went on and worked there for 10 years and I worked my way up to VP and associate broker there. And uh, I wanted to try my hand at the big shops. So I actually left after 10 years with the boutique firm, went over to, uh, to a, big, uh, a big shop, CBRE. I was there on the downtown office leasing team for over six years. And that's sort of the extent of my brokerage career. So VP on that, on that team and, uh, and lots of experience along the way. Yeah. And I love that though, that at that age, you were able to sort of say, why not to that person? And I think nowadays that becomes a little more confidently for some of us, but for, for many of us still, you, you know, we start looking and saying, you're right. I I don't have the same qualifications. I don't have the same background. I don't have this, but in fact, that actually is your superpower. That is what differentiates you. That is what allows you to help your clients in a different way and bring a different perspective. So I love that you had the, you know, the ability to push back and, you know, look at, look at where you are today. So, um, you know, so, so you were at CBRE and Mm -hmm. then, you know, obviously we'll get into you starting (laughs) scout, but like before that, you know, I'd love to know if there was, you know, any nudges, in your early days or signs or voices in your head along the way that were really, you know, calling you to start your own business or did it, or did you fall into it? Was there ever, you know, this thought that you wanted to go out on your own? And, and, and I'd love to know if you had that feeling before starting scout. I I think there was, and I, it wasn't, I think there was something that I always knew deep down. It wasn't at the surface. Uh, and the reason why I say that I think that it was there, I actually got my broker's license in 2005. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, wow. I didn't need it. I didn't need it um, for all of those years that I worked within brokerage because there was always a broker that was running, running the show. But I had it and I held it. And every year I do the extra coursework to maintain it. And I think in my mind, way back in my mind, I thought, I might need this someday. This, this might be something that I need. Uh, and it was always, I had that card. Like I, I can, I can go on my own if I have to, like at any point, it was like my parachute. (laughs) So I had a parachute in my back pocket and like, it wasn't necessarily that I was ultra strategic about it. I just knew that I might need that parachute one day. And it turned out I did need that parachute yeah. one day. But it was really good, good to you, hold You know, on what's to. so interesting is like, as much as you did it and didn't need, need it at the time, the fact that you kept doing the, the, what you needed to do to keep the, your credentials and whatnot is interesting, right? Like, and, and maybe you didn't know, but there was a grander design for you. Um, that was that, that path was being paved for you. I love that. I think that, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't know why we do the things that we do at the time. And it, it's only 10 years later, five years later, that something reveals itself. I mean, for you, it was almost 15 years later that that yeah. revealed itself to you. How cool. Okay. So now you're, you know, you're at CBRE and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of walk me through and, and just kind of describe 
the situation or, or what really ultimately led you to officially resigning? Actually, sorry. I think you did. You did have a stint before CB. Yes. And you know what? It's interesting. I actually, so I left CB, um, in 2000 and gosh, was it 2019? Yeah. Um, I left CB and I left, uh, and I actually went to the landlord side and I'm going to be completely honest. I left CB because I thought I don't fit. I don't fit. I'm not a, I, I guess I'm not a broker. Like I, <laughs> I gave it a good yeah. run. It's crazy. And I remember I had people that would reach out to me and say, Lori, what are you doing? Like you are able to be a broker. You're a successful broker. You're winning business. You have great clients. Like what's happening? But I just really felt that I, I didn't fit in that model. I did not belong. I did not belong. And I just, I had this feeling that there was no more runway for me there. That was going to be what I was going to be. And that was it. I know a lot of my friends and colleagues and, and even crew members at the time, they remember me being quite unhappy as a person, which is not like me at all. Like I'm normally really positive, yeah. really happy, really, you know, sky's the limit. And I was not feeling sky's the limit. And so I thought, you know what, maybe brokerage is not for me. Maybe it's mm -hmm. not. And so let's try something different. You had a good, you gave it a good college try, Lori. You were like 15, yeah, 15 years, 15 years. <laughs> 16 years. So in retrospect, like after I was like over on the landlord side for a stint, I was like, okay, no, maybe it wasn't me. <laughs> Maybe it was the environment that I was in, right? Absolutely. So I went over to the landlord side uh, thinking, you know, maybe brokerage isn't for me. And I went over to the landlord side and I miss brokerage. And miss brokerage. isn't that so miss, interesting, right? Like I was like, it's not, it's me. Yeah, maybe it wasn't me. It, all along, I thought maybe it's, it must be me. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fitting in, right? Yeah. And, and maybe you really weren't meant to fit in. Right. Because so, so like ultimately now you're at the landlord and as you've left CB, you didn't feel like you fit in there. Now you've gone to the landlord and you're you, what's happening there. Cause you've, are you feeling all of a sudden like called back to brokerage and, and, and let's, let's talk about kind of the events and, and, and what was in your mind at the time that led you to really, uh, you know, launching scout real estate, what was happening at that time? Well, you know, I, like I said, I missed, uh, I missed the pace of brokerage. I missed helping my clients. Like I, um, I was used to having uh, like a million things on the go and I loved that pace and that, that energy and I missed brokerage and I had clients that were calling me and I love my client. I had clients for a long time and they would call me and say, is there anybody that's, that's like you? that could help mm. us. And it was so thoughtful and kind. And I, I would think and try to imagine like, okay, well, who is like me? And I thought, I don't know if there yeah. really is anybody yeah. like me, actually. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if there is like, I, I was a little bit different. Right. And so it got me thinking, um, maybe there are opportunities. There is an opportunity. There is value. I do add value. Um, I may, I'm different. Um, but that's actually maybe like the secret sauce. So mm -hmm. maybe there's something to this, right? And maybe it's time to to get going. And I remember my, I had an executive coach uh, that kind of helped me as I was at CB and kind of moving 
through my career. And she said, you know, you're successful in really tough environments, Lori. Imagine what you can do if that's gone. If all of the tough, yeah. all of the environmental piece is, is gone, like that part's gone. Imagine what you could accomplish. And that really got me thinking. She was phenomenal for me in terms of my, like my professional growth uh, and said like enough's enough. Get like get going. And she gave me a kick. Isn't it isn't it so interesting that often when we're in these tough environments, we think we're the problem. Maybe this isn't the the world for me or this isn't I I can't hack it in this. And I've Mm -hmm. I've had similar experiences myself. And then when you realize, no, actually I'm good at what I do. I love what I do. It's all this other stuff around me that isn't really supporting me to to thrive and be my best. And if I'm to go out on my own and like, just like you said, that environment piece changes and it it actually becomes an environment you can control and surround yourself with the right types of people and clients that then maybe I'll, I'll be successful, but often, you know, not a lot of people stop and actually think that through. So you're really, you know, fortunate that you had that coach that was able to help you think Mm -hmm. through that for you because Mm -hmm. look at, you know, what kind of came out on the other side. So, you know, at the time though, you're, you're at the landlord. I I do want to ask, what was the key problem that you really wanted to address in your own life by now going out and starting your own brokerage? Because that's not an easy task. So what did you really feel like doing that would, would help you do, or what would you gain from doing that? So I just really wanted an opportunity where I could create an environment where I was myself. I could be myself. Mm. I never felt like I could be a hundred percent myself or, you know, quite honestly, I don't think being a hundred percent myself, uh, was rewarded really. I mean, the types I'm a, I'm a helper. Um, I'm less driven by, you know, how big is this deal? what's the name of the client uh I'm more about how can I help these people and and uh you know and that's really the biggest driver for me and that is not rewarded necessarily in traditional brokerage it's very much like what's your rank what how Mm -hmm. much did you produce what you know what's the biggest what's your 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 latest deal what you're only as good as your last deal that kind of an idea Um, I just didn't, I wasn't thriving in and I wanted to create an environment for myself where I could just be myself and Mm -hmm. I could just do what I love to do. And I just had this feeling that if I had, if I had an opportunity to create the environment and surround myself with people that were, uh, that shared similar values, just wanted to be themselves, themselves, just wanted to help brought value every day that good things (coughs) would happen. And so that's really where, where my mind was at. Like I need to create, I need to create the environment myself. It doesn't, I didn't see an, a space that I could go into that existed for me. Yeah. And that, you know, it's so interesting is that often, you know, we talk about not feeling like we belong at the table, but sometimes, you know, it's just the wrong table and you need to go build your own right? With with the right foundation, um, supporting it. So I love that. That's super inspiring. Um, okay. So now you've, you know, you started scout a couple of years ago. So tell us a little bit more about what scout does and, and, you know, what really is the key problem and opportunity that you saw for, you know, a new boutique 
brokerage firm in Calgary. Right, right. So Scout is a, uh, like you said, a boutique uh, brokerage firm. We are focused predominantly on leasing, uh, mostly on office and industrial. We do assist both tenants and landlords. So we have clients that are businesses in, in Calgary, uh, generally local. They may have multiple businesses across Canada or even in the U.S., but generally they're the local folks that we're dealing with or working with. And we help, so Calgary businesses, but we also help landlords. So we do have a number of listing assignments. We have landlords that need help with repositioning their assets and need sort of that special, that special touch, a little care, uh, you know, going into a project. How can we what can we do to get, you know, get some momentum, some leasing momentum going on a, a particular asset? So we have, uh, you know, owner clients that range from private owners uh, to REITs. We've just recently taken on a listing with a, a substantial REIT. So uh, it, it's it's great. It's fun. It's wonderful. I love it. Amazing. Uh, and so every day we get to do what I love to do, which is work with people and help. Uh, and so that's really, that's really what we are all about and what we do. Amazing. And and how would you say Scout is different than, you know, the other alternatives that clients have out there? Like what really is your key competitive advantage or secret sauce, so to say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think our backgrounds are very unique. So my partner, Lorraine, and I obviously both have experience on both the brokerage side and the landlord side. Mm-hmm. And my partner, Lorraine, worked extensively on the landlord side for REITs and and, uh, you know, and pension fund owners and, uh, and also worked actually as a, on the, in the leasing department for a, a large telecom provider for, for, uh, in Calgary, based in Calgary. So, uh, we have experience from sort of all vantage points. And I think that's really a key differentiator for us. So, uh, when we're working with a tenant, we can understand where the landlord might be coming from or where, you know, what are some of the levers that we can pull with a particular landlord? How, how would they view a particular deal? We know because we worked on that side of the table and vice versa from a, a landlord's perspective, we've worked on behalf of tenants. So we understand what tenants are looking for, but we've also worked as in-house leasing. So we understand some of the challenges that they might have and what they're, and what they're trying to accomplish. So so we have, you know, I think a, a pretty broad, uh, broad experience base that we're working from. And I think that's really a key differentiator for us. And Amazing. the other thing, quite honestly, is that we're, I think we're very authentic. We are ourselves. We are like who we are and we are here to help and we're doing what we like to do. And we're really, you know, in brokerage, I find, or my experience anyway, was that there's, you know, you need to walk a certain walk. You need mm-hmm. to talk a certain way. You need to look a certain way. And that's brokerage. And yeah. I, I don't believe that to be the case. And so I, that's where we're a little bit different. We're, we're here to help or responsive responsiveness. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, the, the typical vert view of, you know, commercial real estate broker, there's all this bravado but when you really come down to the fact that you're in a service business, that isn't needed to get the job done. If anything, no. you know, the down to earth <laughs> humbleness is, is really what is needed and, and the ability to authentically connect without having to be flashy about it, I think oh. is, is really what people are looking for these days. And I, I think that's evolved 
So it's such a, such a great place for scout to kind of come in and, and be that, I think, different view of, of what commercial brokerage can really look like. Right. And you've met, you mentioned Loray in there. I love this part of your story that we haven't brought out yet, but when you went out, you know, you were just going to go out on your own and yeah. (laughs) And so tell, tell us what happened. I know, but tell, tell our audience what happened with you bringing on Loray and then what, you know, her kind of putting her hand up. Right. Oh, it was such a cool, it was such an amazing, um, opportunity for me. Like, honestly, I, when I launched scout, you're right. I was just going to go. I'm like, I'm just going to go. We're just going to see what happens. We're lo- the parachute has been deployed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. parachute has been deployed. We're, you know, in the air right now, who knows what this is going to look like. I, I don't know, but we're going to go. And, and I was chatting and this is in the middle of COVID. Well, I, what I thought was the middle of COVID turns out it was like the beginning of COVID, which is kind of, (laughs) kind of interesting when you have perspective, but I thought we're in the middle of COVID hard lockdowns and I'm, I've launched the parachute and I'm going. And I was on a zoom call because of course we were all zooming. We weren't Mm -hmm. meeting in person. And I was on a zoom call with a number of industry uh, connections and friends that I have. And we were sort of talking about what was new and catching up. And, and my partner, Larray Spindler was on the call and we were talking and I said, I've done this, you guys, I've given my notice. I'm I'm launching my own brokerage. I'm just going. And she looked, she looked at me on the zoom and she kind of, She's very quiet. And I thought, oh, Lorraine, she must think I'm crazy. Like everyone else was like, congrats, Lori, you're going to be amazing. And Lorraine was silent. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, she just must think I'm really out there or something. And I, I actually got a message from her, a text message that night and said, can we talk? We need to talk. And so I said, sure, of course we can talk. So we had the call kind of right. She called me that night and, and she said, I've been, wanting to get back into brokerage. And I honestly didn't see a a place where I fit in brokerage. And when, as soon as you said that you were starting, I thought I would fit with her. I could do like, Mm. I could do it. So Lorraine, she, she's good at launching parachutes too, because she left a very steady, stable uh, position with, with the landlord, uh, and she went all in on brokerage yeah. and she came with me and it's like such an honor. Um, I'm so fortunate. Yeah. To have I just, such great people. I love, I love that part of your story because we talked about creating our own table, but what's mm-hmm. great is when you create that table, others can come and sit at it and others mm-hmm. that feel like they don't belong at those other tables as well. Right. So now mm-hmm. there's this new table that speaks, you know, that is calling people in and saying, right. wow, there, we can do this differently. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for, for the, for our listeners that don't understand brokerage, it really is, you know, there's several different brokerage firms out there, but they have this similar vibe about them and, and things mm-hmm. are changing and evolving, obviously, so, yeah, yeah. but you know, not at the, at the pace that some of us needed to be able to actually, you know, achieve what we want to achieve in this lifetime. Um, and so <laughs> it, it really takes going out and creating your own table, but like, like, you know, that example that you're setting 
And the space that you're now providing for others to come and join you is just such a beautiful part of your story. And I think a testament to the fact that a, it was not only needed from a perspective of helping clients, but mm-hmm. from the perspective of the people in the business who are looking for something different. So, you know, kudos to you for that. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So it's been almost two years since you've launched now. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you to share kind of a couple of your proudest moments or, or key wins so far for your team. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's the two years and it's flown by. It feels quite literally like it was six months ago that we launched. But yeah. uh, but we, you know, yeah, you're, we're coming up on two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in terms of proudest moments, I have to share. I love that you're doing this podcast. Lorraine and I launched a podcast too, and yes. we launched it early. So and and and, we like, and tell tell our listeners yeah, about it. Yeah, I will. Yeah. So that that really, it's one of my proudest moments because it really you when you're doing a podcast. Uh, and kudos to you on this one. You're putting yourself out there, and it is scary. I remember <laughs> it was almost just as scary as when I hit the update on my LinkedIn saying I'm now president and broker at Scout. And you're like waiting for people to be like, what is she thinking? Uh, So when you're doing, we did, we launched uh, a podcast called Leasing Out Loud. Mm -hmm. And so Lorraine and I talk about all things leasing. We talk about the Calgary market. We interview people that are doing uh, great things in the Calgary market. We wanted to highlight some of the great things that are happening and some of the really cool uh, companies that are, are doing great things in Calgary. And so we launched our podcast. Now, this is a bit serendipitous because my Lorraine came to like came over to Scout and within kind of a month of being at Scout, she said, I have an idea. I want to, I want to launch a podcast and I'm not a podcast person, but Lorraine is a super podcast person. And I said, okay, we can do that because my husband's an audio engineer. So she said, what do you mean? It's an audio engineer. Well, he went to school actually in Vancouver to be an audio engineer and he was, had been staying home and, and supporting our kids at home uh, throughout my commercial real estate brokerage career. And he had sort of let the, the, the audio engineering piece, you know, he put it on the back burner. And I said, but he's fabulous. And he worked in a studio in Calgary. He did all sorts of audio uh, work for, you know, documentaries and film and all sorts of different things. So I said, we could, we could go to him. He could help us. <laughs> And he, of course, was all in. And so we're so lucky we have the resource to be able to produce Leasing Out Loud and to the quality that I'm proud of. I'm really proud of that podcast. And and we have already, uh, we've already uploaded 43 episodes. Wow. And so we've been going like crazy. So we do, that's sort of like our after school job. It's really I love fun. that. I love that so much. And I think that, you know, what a great way to get your husband involved in it and mm-hmm. for him to support you with that too. And, and just kind of unlock a, an old passion of his that he can, he can now use in a tangible way, such a great story, but you're absolutely right. Like putting out a podcast, you know, we're all listening in today and it is <laughs> a lot of work, and, but it is it very is. fulfilling. Like it has been mm-hmm. so far just with the, the, the couple that I've done, it's just been, um, 
it's, it's a great way to be able to give back. And so I've listened to leasing out loud and for all of our listeners, you should go and take a look and and take a listen, I guess I should say to that podcast, especially if you're in commercial real estate. Um, it's very informative. And I think it really breaks down leasing in a very, um, tangible way. There's so many terms that get thrown around that people don't understand. And so your podcast does a great job of just making it simple, making it easy to understand and really helping people. So kudos to you for that. Playing a great accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we're trying to demystify leasing. And so that's the other thing I always sort of thought, you know, as an opportunity to change a little bit in our industry, because I saw that there was this real holding on of information, but in the world we live in, there's a real democratization of of information. Everything's available. People want that. Yes. They want it. They want it at their fingertips these days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I saw, you know, the podcast, I thought Lorraine's idea was brilliant. Like I thought this is, you're bang on. People want to have information readily available. They want it on topics. They can search, they can look up, they can say, you know what, I want to know more about, you know, XYZ developments or what these people are doing, or I want to know just the the nitty gritty of leasing. Like, like to your point, what are some of the terms that are thrown out? What do you mean? Like, how do you calculate, how do you calculate a deposit? Like, you know, basic things that we get asked all the time. And I just wanted to make that, and and I know Lorraine did too, just make that readily available for people. I love that because sometimes people think they, they, they need a real estate agent just for some of those things. And it's like, no, right. Like this is, we can provide this information value added when you really need me, I'll be there for you. So I, I think that's great. Yeah. Well, and I think it's really, it's really interesting because the feedback that I've had, I've had people that come up to me that I would assume would know a lot of this stuff. And Mm. they'll come to me and they'll say, I never actually knew that. I didn't actually know how that worked. So thanks for explaining. Thanks for explaining it. Cause I was kind of like just going along with it and I didn't really know what it means. And so now I I know, right. I love it. We get that uh, a lot more than I thought. Like you, I sort of just take for granted. I just would think that everyone kind of knew what was, what was going on and in our industry and, but not everybody's a leasing person, just like, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not, you Mm -hmm. know, a developer. There's lots of things that I don't know about our industry. So it's just an opportunity to share what we know. Yeah. And I think, yeah, your voice is, is definitely needed and, and obviously being valued. So I'd love to also ask, you know, what have been some of the biggest challenges now that you've kind of face your two years mm-hmm. in, of course, I know that the road to entrepreneurship or being an entrepreneur rather is not easy. So tell me about some of the challenges you've had to face and how you guys have been overcoming those. Yeah. So one of the, the biggest challenges for me, so as an entrepreneur, when you're starting out and you are small, you are it, you are it for everything. So IT department mm-hmm. uh, is me, uh, marketing department, me. Uh, accounting, me, right? So you're kind of, you play many roles. And for me, like one of the biggest things, uh, and I'm still, it's a work in progress. I am not there, but I am, I'm working on trying to get back to some semblance of balance. I don't know if this even exists. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's like entrepreneurs that can share with me that are farther down the path. 
I don't know if it exists, but uh, a little bit of balance and a little bit of getting, you know, the right people in the right role. So we're now looking at who can we bring on that can help support us Mm -hmm. and, and allow me to have some time to do what I love to do. Uh, Accounting isn't it. So, you know, what (laughs) I love to do real estate, I love to help people. So, you know, having those resources and and setting up that framework, that's Mm -hmm. been the kind of the biggest challenge for me as an entrepreneur is just working through that. I think, yeah, the early days are, are tough when you're still scaling. And so, you know, resources are tight. And as you go grow and scale though, and you're able to bring people on the journey with you, you can really delegate. So you, and delegate, you're right. Like you said, finding the right people for, so that that mm-hmm. task is actually something that they enjoy doing. Right. Uh, cause totally. that, that's, that's part of it as well, but then it allows you to really focus on your, uh, zone of genius. Right. And, and be mm-hmm. in a place where you feel like you're thriving every day. And, and I, I know you said, you know, the balance, will it ever come? It'll come. It will come. I think you're really, <laughs> you're really early days. Um, and you know, every time I see you though, you're always like, you 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 are putting out your best work and you are doing that and, and managing all of the other stuff too. So I know it's a lot, but you, from what I can see, you're absolutely, it. you're absolutely <laughs> succeeding and thriving in that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. so I'd like to look a little bit forward now too, and just I hear from you, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The brokerage industry is just changing, I think, so quickly. And I've seen that, Um, Mm -hmm. even though it's a traditional industry with now the pandemic and in as we move into a post pandemic world, real estate has been very much impacted, especially commercial real estate. So how do you really see it evolving? And what do you think are some of the kind of um, opportunities that lie ahead in that? Mm. Well, and you raised a really good point earlier in the podcast, Vera, about uh, brokerage being a service industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I see where I see brokerage going. I think we're going to get even more into the the people business of brokerage and the service piece of brokerage, mm-hmm. because I think with the pandemic, I've noticed uh, a lot of a lot of people. Um, they want to be seen. They want to be heard. They don't necessarily feel that right now. It's it, the service piece is missing a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a disconnect. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I see that, uh, you know, we are a people business. We're here to serve uh, our clients and we are here to support our clients. And mm-hmm. so I think what we're going to see is more, uh, more of a push for that, more, more clients demanding uh, you know, a higher level of service and expecting a higher level of service, um, than what they, they may have been getting in the past, Mm -hmm. uh, more personalized service, thoughtful service. Uh, and I think that that leaves opportunities for people that are good at providing service. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, as we move to a world where, all of the other stuff that comes along with the job becomes more increasingly automated or digital Mm -hmm. or self-serve, or it's just, you know, accessible and transparent. Then the service piece becomes what's left and becomes the most important part. And I think these days people want everything like we're in a very, like, do it for me 
environment, right? Like people, yeah. if, if yeah. this isn't, you know, for me, I'm not the best cook. I'd rather have someone yeah. do that for me. Same yeah. thing when you're kind of going into, uh, you know, what, whether it's leasing or brokerage or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's that level of customization and personalization that you mentioned where mm-hmm. people really feel like you're serving them specifically, yes. not just the person or the tenant next door or, or, you know, right. the client next right. door, that right. personalized service. And so interestingly, when you say that, and, you know, I think both men and women are, are good at that, but I do yeah. think that women are especially good at really building and maintaining and fostering relationships in a deep, meaningful and authentic way. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not always about just the dollars and cents. So while mm-hmm. it's a male dominated industry, I really do see this opportunity for a female led brokerage firm to really come in and mm-hmm. succeed now as we head into this service focused era, Agreed. right? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I love I that. I think you're bang on. I think you're bang on. And it's like, we need to get back to what we, what this is all about. And that is, yes. like I said, the service that's about the people that's about developing strategies. That's about being available and accessible and approachable, like quite Absolutely. honestly, approachable that people feel comfortable asking questions of you uh that they you know that they will be respected and heard and so I think that that's where we're headed Uh, I see that and that's where scout is going that's what we're focused on and and yeah and speaking of that you know where do you really see your business then in in sort of five years or, or 10 years from now that is an excellent, I, I wish that I had a crystal ball and I knew we never if do. you asked me five or 10 years ago, I would have said, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> You're running yeah. your own and company. What's happening? Exactly. But you know what I do? I think, uh, I'd like to see us, I'd like to have, you know, a, a slightly larger team. I don't want to be a huge team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the, I like the, the, uh, the small group, uh, really providing a, a very high level of service and I want to do things, uh, well, and I, uh, I, I want to surround myself with people that are, uh, that share some of the values that I have. And so I think we're, I suspect in five, 10 years, we will have grown you know, yeah. in terms of the people that we have working on the team. Uh, and I hope that we continue to have, you know, the mindset that we have right now, which is like, yeah. we're here to help. And that, that is my, that's my goal. Uh, I have it on our Instagram. It's, it's really like here to help. That's our yeah. job. And you and know, what's so amazing about it. it? It's timeless, right? So if five years from now, if you still have that as your guiding light, you will be mm-hmm. successful, right? We don't right. know the world is changing so fast. We don't know what's really going to happen sometimes, but mm-hmm. I love that you have this really strong foundation of, it doesn't really matter five years from now, as long as I'm still helping people and surrounding mm-hmm. myself with good people. And yes, mm-hmm. we'll have more, a bigger team and more resources, but we're still going to be doing what we do now. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'd love to ask though, if you were to go back, I know you've been at this two years, but Mm -hmm. is there anything that you would do differently with your path, uh, with scout or, or even, even before that? Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes I think, should I have done it sooner? Mm. Maybe, Yeah. maybe I should have, but then at the same time, I think as well, 
maybe I wasn't ready. Like I really needed to be at a certain place to just go. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know my coach, when I left CB, she thought that was the time to go. She was saying, get, get going. (laughs) Now's your time. Go, go, go. And I, I took a safer, what I thought was a safer path. Um, so could I have done it sooner? Maybe that's the only thing really. I I think we all do that. And we have these like arbitrary timelines. They really are (laughs) arbitrary. And honestly, maybe that year for you was exactly what you needed to cement Mm -hmm. that. You know what? Brokerage is for me. It just wasn't for me in that container environment. Exactly. Right. I think you're right. I think you're right. It did. It did solidify for me in that moment. Um, because I was, I was questioning myself. I really was. I thought this is not, this is not for me. Uh, obviously (laughs) I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Like it's not, it's not a great place long-term for me, um, brokerage. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think having that time away really confirmed to me that I did love it like deep down. Mm-hmm. Clearly, <laughs> right? For me, right? You started a whole business around it. I so started, you, <laughs> yeah, you clearly loved it. And so I think you're exactly where you're supposed to, to be right now. Okay. So for our listeners, you know, here today that may be considering, you know, their own entrepreneurial endeavor, or maybe they're already on one. Do you have any advice that you'd like to share? You know, just, I hate to quote like Nike, but just do it, (laughs) just do it. So we have a tendency uh, to want to have everything perfect. And I know you and I have chatted Mm -hmm. about this over the years about this, this whole notion that, you know, we have to check all of the boxes and I don't know if it's a a female thing or what it is. I suspect it probably is. Uh, We have to check all of the boxes in order to be, uh, okay to go a green light to go. And, um, you hear about these studies where, you know, women have to have all of the the requirements before they would even apply. Right. Yeah. And so we have a tendency to kind of think like that, where it's like, okay, well, I, I surely, I cannot do this because I have this and this, or I'm a little deficient in this. And we're very Mm -hmm. critical of ourselves, right. And wanting to be perfect And there is no such thing as perfect. And so I guess my recommendation is go do, just do it. And you will learn along the way and you'll be fine. Yeah. I love it. Just, just go and learn whatever you prepare for or think that you need to have uh, in your back pocket. It's going to change. The landscape's going to change. Like it's it's never going to be perfect. And so you just have to go make a run for it. I love that advice. And I I think you're absolutely right. Like we often, like you said, think we need to have a hundred percent of it figured out, but imagine you were stepping into a job or a role where you already knew how to do a hundred percent of everything. It wouldn't be very exciting, right? Like what would you really be learning or how would you be growing? So I think that's like, yeah, just go do it. And I will say for me, the, the, the saying that kind of guides me, which is a very similar one, which was, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have mm-hmm. to start to be great. And, you know, that's kind of where I, I finally use that for my podcast to get it going. I'm like, you just got to start Farah. And then I actually had a friend of mine, a male friend of mine, tell me, you know what, Farah, 
that seems good. But what if you don't even put the pressure of having to be great? Like just, you're just doing it because you want to do it. You just want to do it. And you, you know, and because the pressure of being great at something is often a lot too, but if you're fulfilled and you're happy and you're doing something you love, guess what? You probably will be great at it. Right. Right, right. So yeah, I love, I love that. I love that. And you really can't worry about what others are going to think about you. That's the other thing too. You just cannot, you can get into this whole analysis paralysis. I think sometimes we think that people are thinking about us a whole lot more than they are. (laughs) And so, and, and, you know, what is she doing? Oh, I can't believe she's doing that. And those people, if they are critical, you know, if they're not in your circle, then did their opinions really matter? Yeah. No, who cares? No, yeah. No, cares? no time for that. <laughs> no time. There is no time. So that's the other thing too, is just like, don't get bogged down with, you know, the, the naysayers or the critics don't like have your circle that you trust and just go and have faith in yourself that you can Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. That's really great advice. So before we cap off, I always like to know what my guests are listening to these days. So, uh, you know, do you have like a book or a podcast and not leasing out loud, (laughs) but everyone should go listen to that. (laughs) But yeah, do you have a book or a podcast that you can recommend to our audience? Well, you know, I am a huge fan of Brene Brown. Um, so anybody that they probably would know that I sort of stole that, that whole concept from Brene a little bit about that, the whole critics, mm-hmm. right. That she talks about, you know, in the, the arena, uh, and we don't let the critics decide what's mm-hmm. going to happen to us. Right. Yes. So yeah, I'm absolutely. a big fan of Brene Brown. I'm a big fan of her podcast. I, um, when I have time, I'm trying to get better about setting aside time <laughs> to really tune in on a regular basis, but that's something that I really enjoy and I like listening yeah. to. And it's really about leading her, her message really resonates with me. It's really about leading from the heart uh, and leading from a place of care. And that's really uh, what draws, draws me to her. And, and that's really what I I'm hoping to emulate. Let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. I love Bren- Brene Brown. So I love that you mentioned that she's definitely one that I tune into as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so last thing here, just how can our listeners engage with you online? Um, we'll definitely put it in the show notes, but feel free to, to, to share with us now. Yeah, of course. So you're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, just Lori Suba. You'll find me there. Uh, and we're also, uh, you can find uh, Scout's website and my email for Scout on our website at www.scoutrealestate.ca. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lori. This has been so lovely and I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. And I just look forward to seeing what Scout gets up to. Like I follow along and so, you know, so happy to be able to share this part of your journey with our audience today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Farah. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. I can't wait to see what uh, what great things you're going to do as well with this oh, podcast. Thank you. And, uh, and thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Futura Talks. I hope it has left you inspired and motivated to pursue your dreams 
find your calling and follow your heart in your life and business. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean so much to me if you would consider leaving a review and better yet, sharing this episode with someone who will be inspired to start building their own Futura. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I will see you next week.